Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. And I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and with me, as always, is my good buddy and co-host, Mark Bruce. Say hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. So Mark and I were talking a little bit before we went on the air, trying to get everything worked out and all the bugs. And it's been so long since we've recorded, we both actually like kind of sort of forgot what we were. We knew we were going to review Survivor Series night, but we weren't sure what exactly we should have along with Survivor Series. So what Mark and I are going to do, I'm going to bring up a couple of key points from all the shows that happened this past week, um, the week of Thanksgiving. And then we're going to just shoot the shit about them a little bit, and then we'll get into Survivor Series. Mark, I'm going to let you guys know and know right now, though. Mark liked Survivor Series a lot more than I did. So <laughs> you, if you liked it, praise Mark. If you didn't like it, praise me. And if you hate what I got to say, I'm sorry, but I got to be truthful with you guys when I like something and I don't. So, um, Mark, what did you think of Monday Night Raw the, the week of Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving week? What did you think of it as a whole? Um... That's the the post Survivor Series where they did the egg and all that. Yes. Honestly, Who stole Vince McMahon's egg. Honestly, I thought like uh, like if we're grading this on a scale like you do in school, I would have gave mm-hmm. it a B plus. Okay. All right. I'm I'm a little less forgiving. And I was still bitter about Survivor Series. Uh, I gave it a C minus. Still grading it almost pass, you know. Uh, I mean, look, you, you. For those of you who didn't watch Survivor Series, one of the main storylines that went on was Vince McMahon showing up out of a what looked to be hundred thousand dollar limousine with a gold egg in his hand. Said egg was from The Rock's new movie um, with Cleopatra's egg. And he wanted everybody to think that The Rock gave him, what did he value it at? A million dollars? A hundred million, I think. A hundred million, yeah. A hundred million dollar egg. And when he got out of the car, I honestly thought he was going to like fire five people as he got out of the car. Because that's what it looked like. A lineup of future endeavors. Uh, (laughs) But somebody sold this egg at Survivor Series. And we have to now find out on Monday Night Raw who stole it. And I believe halfway through the show... It turned out to be Austin Theory. Now, I like Austin Theory. I think he's a great wrestler. But but why him? Like, like literally, right. why him? Right. And the reasoning for why it was him was, I just wanted to take a selfie with your egg. What? <laughs> so, you, what? so you held it a whole 24 hours to take one right. selfie? Right. <laughs> Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. That's grand larceny if you kept something that didn't belong to you for 24 hours. Right. You didn't tell nobody. So, um, I liked SmackDown a little more the, the, the week of, of uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I thought Roman Reigns played his part perfectly, like usual. Very upset about the Battle Royal that was going to go on later on tonight. Um, and the, the whole Caleb Braxton... Uh, Paul Heyman interaction. I like how much shit he gives her and that she's willing to take from him. But I honestly feel that that little girl's going to snap on him one day. 
or you can also like you like the way I see it is like it, it it's leading up to her having somewhat of a of a different role as far mm-hmm. as when something goes down between Rock, Brock and uh Roman, right. like she, she might come out there and like lay one on Paul's ass, right? Exactly, or cost cost Roman the title. You never know because. Right. They're giving her more interaction with the wrestlers and with Paul Heyman. I love the way that both of them interact with each other. It's fantastic. It's funny. But it really seems like she's going to beat the hell out of Paul Heyman or do something to cause him his job down the road. Right. And and to me, that's like classic Paul Heyman because he's coming mm-hmm. off as a pompous ass. And, right. and you just smack the hell out of him for the way that he's doing her. AJ Lee did the same thing. Remember when he proposed to her after she proposed to Punk? And it, yep. it led to some great television. So maybe that's what they're going for here. The fact that he's got problems with women in charge or women in, in power. And he always seems to get smacked. Stephanie McMahon, AJ Lee, Kayla Braxton. I'm all for it. I'm okay with it. I ain't got no problem with it. <laughs> you know? But Paul, um, I'm like, Paul is by far the furthest away from what you would think when you think womanizer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But if you look at his career, he's always had a problem with a woman in wrestling. Missy Hyatt and Medusa in WCW. In ECW, he always seemed to bump heads with woman or one of the girls that were there, Beulah, you know, and now in WWF and WWE, He's had problems countless times with Stephanie McMahon. So it just seems like he does not like women who are trying to get above him. You know what I mean? So I guess I can understand. And and I think it's a little stroke of genius that they're doing it with someone who's not talent on the roster as far as in-ring talent. Like it gives it a whole different aspect. That way it doesn't feel like the same old recycled shit that we've been getting. Exactly. He's not going to get his ass whipped by Shayna Baszler. He's going to get it. If he catches a smack, it's from, you know, Kayla Braxton. You wouldn't expect that. So, yeah, I, right. I agree with you. I agree with you. On the NXT side of things, um, they're, they're going downhill, Mark. Um, this is the second week they've done really bad ratings, like in the two to 300,000 fan mark. And um, I don't know if it's the wrestling itself or the storylines or what, but it's not bearable lately. Um, in my opinion, they screwed up really fucking bad whenever they took Triple H out of out of overhead of creative on that. Right, because right. him, him and Shawn Michaels was doing grade A shit with those guys, and right. now that it's kind of been for lack of better terms, whitewashed or Vince washed, however you phrase it. I mean, you can tell that Sean's running it, but not on his own. Vince is in his ear going, do this, do that, do this, you know? Exactly. It just, I don't know. The the best thing that came out, in my opinion, of NXT this week was the new school of Braun Breaker and uh, Carmelo Hayes. Even though I don't like him, Tony D'Angelo, you know, these new guys standing up to the old school with Tommaso Ciampa and others involved, 
um, in order to make war games. But we said this was going to happen a couple weeks ago, that it was going to be four on four of, of guys who really haven't had that much interaction with each other kind of just thrown together. You know? Um. Yeah. Uh, I like how when it went off the air, it was complete bedlam. Right. Like that, that, you know, made it more believable at that at war games. This shit's going to be on. Right. I agree. It, and, it looks like it's going to be a fight. And to me, that was how you get the people interested in wanting to see that match other than just right. saying, hey, this this is what's going to happen. You want to see these guys sitting there kicking each other's ass up until then, like trying exactly. to gain the advantage and the upper hand because, you know, war isn't just physical. Right, right. And on this week's NXT, they will go a little more in the mental aspect because they're going to have to each pick one member of the team to fight for the opposition and get the advantage going into war games. Now, I love Braun Breaker being the the obvious leader, and so is Ciampa on his side of the team. And the the rest of the team, not bad. You know, I I think Carmelo Hayes has been a great student of the game, and he's growing. Uh, I'm happy about DIY getting back together, even if it's only for one night. You know, but, um, like, the team is thrown together a little bit for me because L.A. Knight, and Pete Dunn are heels. Champa right. is a tweener, and Johnny Gargano has become a full-blown face again. So you're putting a mixed bag together, so are they really going to win? You know what I mean? What What do they really have to win for? There's nothing really on the line. If anything, it's going to help the younger guys get over if they get the win on Sunday. I agree. Um it, it is kind of strange to see the meld of you know the heels and and the tweeners and the face and the full blown face. That's that's definitely something that's not per se kayfabe, right? Because you generally you don't have those people interacting as or coexisting. The only and... time I remember it happening before was that Survivor Series. Remember when it was. Sean and Sid and Ahmed Johnson and Yokozuna versus Bulldog Owen, Sid Vicious, and forgot who the fight, I think it was Razor. You know, it was a really right. mixed together team. So, but hopefully it comes out better as we're watching it than what it's looking like. But like you said, the ending of NXT definitely made it better than the whole rest of the show was. Um, AEW, on the other hand, you your opinion on something yeah. though. What's that? Because we're talking, we're talking NXT right now. What do you think about Cameron Grimes and his haircut? Well, I mean, it really wasn't that much shorter or anything like that. It was it was pretty much a trim, you know what I mean? Right. But we've always heard knocks at the WWE when they do hair versus hair matches that the guy just gets a spiffy new hairstyle. He doesn't actually get fully shaved unless you're right. Molly Holly or Kurt Angle. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I like the idea of a hair versus hair match against him and Duke Hudson. It's just, it's Hudson's first real match. So to go that all out into a stipulation is like, wow, we're really shooting this guy out of a bullet, out of a gun. You know, it's all or nothing. Also, did you see, do you, do you realize who that, that guy was with, uh, Gacy? 
Yeah, that's Harlan. That's a uh, Blake uh, Blade uh, Bordeaux. What the no? What's his name? Yeah, Parker Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, yeah. They're calling him the second coming of Brock Lesnar, and you know what? He looks like him. I, I hate that they cut his hair though. Like, why? Why does he yeah. need to be bald? <laughs> I'm thinking because they didn't want anybody to go. Oh, that that's the Brock Lesnar guy. You know what I mean? So they figured right. changing the image. But he's wearing a Michael uh, Michael Myers jumpsuit. You know what I mean? But he looks badass. I will say that. He looks badass. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, though, Joe Gacy looks like he's about 245 pounds. How is he getting a shot at the 205 Live Cruiserweight title? I understand all-inclusive. You know, we we can't keep anybody out. But are they planning on scrapping the Cruiserweight title altogether with that move? I, I'm not, maybe it's going to be kind of like the open weight instead. Okay. That would make sense then. Um, That would make sense. Because wasn't that kind of his argument about, uh, about Roddy? Yes. yes. It's not 205 is shame, body shaming and how could you do this to people? And I don't agree with it because I don't agree with that kind of mindset. It's not like Vince McMahon went on television and went, we're making the 205 division, a uh, cruiserweight division for 205 and under because we don't want any fatties in there. You know, no one ever said it was about <laughs> anybody being fat or out of weight. Or, By the way, this is coming from a 300-pound man, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't think I'm fat shaming anybody. I'm big. I'm not small. Uh, so, <laughs> But it's just it's weird that, you know, to think that way, well, it's wrestling. There has always been divisions. If there weren't right. divisions, the men would be fighting the women, you know, and that's okay too. But we don't do that anymore, you know. But like, like uh, per se, WCW, their cruiserweight <laughs> division was leaps and bounds above a lot of divisions oh, yeah. nowadays in oh, wrestling. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Same thing with TNA and the X division. That was right. better than anything they had on the main roster at times. The X division was leading that company. So, I mean, if that's what they're hoping for with this, if they make it an open weight title, okay, great. I'd love to see Odyssey Jones and Joe Macy and a couple of other guys mix it up for another belt. But again, I think that's too much oversaturation of all the championships again. Now it's right. too many titles. You know, that's why you have, you know, I thought there was too many titles when they added an NXT women's title, tag team title. So now the cruiserweight title just becomes a throwaway belt. It's like, okay. So everyone's got a belt again. Everybody's, you know, we'll, it's not special. We'll put this guy, you know, we'll put this belt on this guy. We don't want him to be our mid-card champion, and we don't want him to be our main champion, but he's good enough to right. hold this belt. <laughs> right, right, exactly. He needs a belt on him. We want to see him win a championship. Right. It's it's weird. And AEW is no better. They're inventing titles like, like crazy, too. So it's... <laughs> You know, I was like, "What in the hell?" Like they're like, "There's this new TBS title," and I'm like, "Oh, y'all are gonna be those people too." Yeah, like I I understand. WWE always had has an ass load of titles too, so I mean, it's really everybody's doing it. Well, that's the whole thing of it, though. You know, if they would have made a woman's tag team title or a six man tag title. No big deal, but you're making another woman's title strictly for Rampage. Why right. are we, you know, it's 
we didn't need a, a secondary title for that show because all the titles go on every show anyway. So, right. you know, it's just, it's weird. The one thing that I will say came out of AEW, which AEW was great in my opinion. The show was once again jam-packed with good matches. They took their time. They told stories. But the thing that stood out the most, and I'm sure you're going to know what it is, what I'm about to say because I'm a fanboy for these guys, Punk and MJF's promo. That was like two guys sword fighting. You know, they were each throwing daggers at each other. Those two already captivate you on the mic. So, right. I mean, it to put those two together, you're going to have top-notch shit come out of it. When he told him, you're the Miz, you're a less famous Miz. <laughs> all I sat, to, all I thought about was like Jesus Christ, he just burnt him alive. But then MJF yeah. came right back. That was the whole great thing about it. This wasn't CM Punk burying somebody. This was him attempting to bury somebody, and then I going, "No, I'm not ready to be married. Now it's my <laughs> turn." You know, the thing that popped me the most though. The reason I didn't shake your hand last week is because I didn't know your name was Maxwell. That was like, so you didn't know this motherfucker's name was Maxwell <laughs> Jacob Friedman. You just thought he was MJF. <laughs> have, have you ever seen that clip where uh, MJF was on Rosie O'Donnell singing opera when yes. he was a kid? Yep. <laughs> like, like yep. every time I look at him, I cannot not see that kid in that clip. I see the little boy, and apparently so does Punk because he mentioned it. He's like. I was I was selling out arenas when you were you were marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. I'm like, damn, damn, <laughs> they know too much about each other, you know. Right. <laughs> but I mean, that was that was definitely a highlight. I don't foresee them having a match too quickly, which would be good because AEW has that microwave booking where it's let's get to the match and then move these guys on to something else. So I'd like to see a few weeks of them talking to each other and screaming at each other and doing. Maybe have Punk battle one of MJF's guys, Wardlow or Spears, you know. Um, so, and then we go to to Rampage, which had three stellar matches. Each match was just under twenty minutes, but the Cole and Bobby Fish versus Cassidy and Yuta match. I mean, people are still talking about that a week later. Cole and Cassidy had a great back and forth. They. You know, they, they did their, their spots. They got Each one of them got their spot in. But then Bobby Fish with a top rope exploder suplex was like, Jesus Christ. How did he not kill Orange Cassidy? Yeah, that you know? uh, that, that was uh, actually it was a top rope Falcon Arrow, wasn't it? Falcon Arrow, yeah. I thought it was it looked more like an exploder, but yeah, it was, they called it a Falcon Arrow. Like, I don't know how either one of them got up afterwards. Yeah, that that was definitely to me that that gave it the wow factor of the finish. You was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right, right. Uh, it was it was well done uh, by all four gentlemen. Uh, I'm not really a huge fan of Yuta because I don't know that much about him. Um, he's a a good young man though. He seems to be delivering in the ring. I've yet to see him win a match though. Uh, obviously, because he's not being. Uh, Push to be a, a winner just yet. He's just pretty much there with Orange and and uh, Trent and Chuck T. Um, but all in all, um, this last couple of weeks of wrestling leading up to Survivor Series, now leading up to War Games, uh, AEW had of course 
their pay-per-view, uh, you know, uh, well, and it's just, it's been, we've been jam-packed. And then with the holidays and third, you know, Thanksgiving, we apologize for missing the week's worth of uh, recording, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, of course, we, as you know, just like you have your families, we have your our families. So everybody here at the We Can't Wrestle and WrestleNet Radio podcast uh, family took the week off. We all spent some time with our wives and kids and our moms and dads and everybody that we've got around us. Um, and we uh, we took that week off from wrestling. Um, it kind of made it harder on us, though, uh, because then we had to come back and watch hours of wrestling to get ready for uh, our podcasts that we have coming up. And I do know that we are going to be recording. Um, Max and myself and Aaron Maxson uh, will be recording the We Can't Wrestle podcast, the year that was, and a slice in time uh, this coming week as well. So you might hear those shows before this airs. You might hear some of them after this airs. It's entirely up to our station manager, Nate Maxson, how he gets these edited and put out. But we want to thank you as always, Nate, myself, Aaron, David Gold, uh, John Majewski, who helps out Nate every now and then, um, the members of the Asylum admin team, uh, Nick Francis and uh, Mike Zeka, Jeff Morlock, uh, and their show uh, for the Asylum podcast, um, the Maximum Gold with David Gold and, and, and Nate Maxson, um, myself and Mark Brew. We all want to thank you guys for the continued to support. Get Continue to get the name out, guys. When we share the links... On Facebook, share the link for us as well. Tell your friends, tell your moms and your dads, your kids, whoever you want. We are good, wholesome family fun. Yeah, we curse a little bit, but it gets edited out. Uh, but we're just here to bring you the absolute best uh, for me and Mark in the modern product with the week's worth of wrestling. Um, for Nate, he brings you uh, with the, um, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We talk about different things going on. Uh, as it pertains to past wrestling, for instance, this year we'll be ta- this week we'll be talking about the Starcade '85 card and its uh, fullness, and then of course on a slice in time with Nate Maxson, uh, we are talking about the year 1996. One of my favorite shows to do because uh, we get to do uh, indie results. Uh, one of my favorite things is hearing the names from the different independent wrestlers, um, and then on the year that was uh, with uh, Aaron. We uh, talk about the year 1997, so no indie results on that one, but that's okay. And, of course, you can't miss out also on Reliving the Extreme with Nate Maxson, Aaron Maxson, and um, Chad Austin, uh, former ECW talent, great friend of ours. Um, Love listening to that show in the morning on my way to work. Um, So, again, thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for staying with us, for listening to us, to bring new members in and uh, listening to the product. Uh, I'd also like to say hi to a personal friend of ours, Bobby Anders. Bobby is uh, one of my oh, close no. friends uh, that listens to <laughs> listens to the shows, uh, supports the page. Bobby, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for being an incredible friend. Um, and, uh, you know, hi. <laughs> so, Moving along now that we've got all the cheap plugs out of the way and all of the, um, that wasn't you know. cheap, that cost us 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. You're right about that. Cheap plug for he- us here at the uh, We Can't Wrestle podcast. 
we'll be talking now about this year's Survivor Series. And before we get into the show, I would once again like to say I this did not feel like Survivor Series to me. Um, this could have been any normal house show or Monday Night Raw. Hell, it could have been a shotgun Saturday night with how bad some of these matches were and how ill-prepared some of the uh, the storylines were to get into on this show. Uh, we're starting off in the pre-show. Uh, was Damian Priest taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. And this was actually a really good match, Mark. Uh, both guys got in their spots, uh, helped uh, highlight both secondary titles, and it was nice to see Nakamura wrestling like he used to in New Japan Pro Wrestling again. That snap German suplex in the corner looked amazing. I'm not a fan of Priest's good guy, bad guy snapping routine. Kind of remind, reminds me of Ken Shamrock a bit. Um, but if it's what helps get this guy over and not end up to just be another, you know, long haired leather pant wearing guy on the roster, so be it. Um, they either don't need to turn him heel or leave him face. In my opinion, there is no reason to keep him as both. Uh, the fans are already starting to turn on him anyway. So, you know, turn him heel, let him just do his thing. Uh, DQ ending hurt this match because the 15-minute match that we saw was excellent. Uh, so for them to end this on a DQ, it, it's pretty much like an F you to the fans. You know, Oh, well, here's a great match, but you're getting a non-finish because we don't want to hurt the U.S. or the Intercontinental title. So. Yeah, it felt sort of cheap. Yeah, yeah. It was like that non-finish that nobody wanted, but they agreed, well, if we put Priest over... Uh, the Nakamura looks bad, and he's been getting such a great push. But if we put Nakamura over, we make the IC title look like crap again. So. Yeah, and in the realm of things, you want your belt to mean something. Right. I agree. But honestly, would, would, if you remember last year's Survivor Series, SmackDown won in a landslide. I think they won six out of the seven matches that went on. So would it have been that big of a deal to give us an outcome here? You know, they did it in the world title match and the tag title match. We're not going to talk about that world title match yet when we get there. No, we're not getting into that yet. We'll wait until we get there. The next matchup on the card, in my opinion, was the absolute best matchup on the card. I talked to Mark about this in droves. Um, it's Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, the two best in the company. That's not the best man or best <laughs> The two best wrestlers in the company, in my opinion, are Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Um, they traded right hands, chops, the entire match. And <clears throat> at times it looked like they were actually going very stiff with one another. Um, Becky using the figure four on Charlotte. Charlotte using the summer was perfectly placed in. The match where it needed to be be 23 minutes into the match. Becky outsmarts Charlotte, grabs the tights, holds the rope at the last second, and picks up the win. <laughs> that to me means that their feud is still open. If they ever decide to give them another match with each other, they still have ill will with each other. But it was a great matchup nonetheless. I agree. Um, 
As far as match of the night, yeah, but that's just my personal preference. Both women are tremendous. Both 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 women are tremendous competitors, and it was legitimately a good match. Like literally, at, at one point, you're thinking, "Holy shit, they're beating the hell out of each other!" Right. Right. And considering all the news we've heard about the both of them being reprimanded backstage and the, the backstage altercation they had, it wouldn't surprise me if these women literally teed off on each other without, you know, warning, you know, just like, you know what, here's for last week, bitch. You know, I wouldn't put it past either one. But did you see the, uh, did you see the picture that they got going around online of Charlotte Flair coming backstage smiling? Yes. Yes. And I couldn't figure work. out what it meant. Right. She worked the work. It was all a work. Right. Well, maybe yeah. maybe it was. Maybe it's her way of, of making it look like, well, I lost, but I lost because she cheated. So, you know what I mean? It, it, it could be a number of things. With Charlotte Flair, she always does something to kind of make her opponent look smaller than her after the match is over. So maybe she was smiling to, you know, Prove this doesn't bother me because I'm still the champion. Well, I think it was they set out to do what they 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 done what they set out to do, and it, when right. I say that, I mean they they want they created this story about them be there being animosity between the two, right? And then they went out there and had a hell of a match. I, I'm not going to discount it and say. Yo, this match was horrible, but they she went out there. Both of them, you know, did did their thing in the ring, and right, the fans were entertained. I agree, and I agree one hundred percent. I believe that's what that smile was because that's what wrestling's about. You may be right. You may be absolutely right. They got, they got the fans on both sides cheering for them. Raw was on Becky's side. SmackDown was on Charlotte. So, you know, it's what they're supposed to do. And you're right. It did help the match in itself by uh, getting the fans more involved as opposed to them thinking, oh, this is just another Charlotte Flair-Becky Lynch match. Right. Because, I mean, you, yeah, we've seen it so many times. But right. the, the fact of the matter is, is, when they put out that there was backstage heat between them, that got everybody invested in it. Right. And then, I agree. I agree. and then they they worked it to a T. The 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 promos, the Becky uh oh, and all that. I mean, yep. it just it, yep. it had the right build, and it it just it made that match that much that much better because I agree. They, they stuck to what really works in wrestling. Right. And you figure that these two women might have animosity already because they've both, you know, reached the top of the company. Who's the face? Who's the not? Who's the, you know, Becky is gone off and got married and has a child while Charlotte is with, you know, Andrade and her, her father left the company. So she's alone. So yeah, it makes sense. It, it actually plays off to both their characters. So she's looking to go to Space Mountain, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next match is um, 
Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Um, and this was not a bad match, but it seemed rushed slightly because it was one elimination after the other. You know, Raw would get an elimination, which the first elimination on Team Raw was Kevin Owens getting counted out. Okay, let's play to Kevin Owens being the lying asshole. I understand. But then three minutes later, SmackDown eliminated, they, Raw eliminated somebody on SmackDown. So it's like, couldn't Raw be in dire straits for at least five or ten minutes? Right. You know? And, and all right, I think the the whole thing there is they're going with, you know, kind of like he was the Judas of Team Raw. Right. Right. Like, and there always seems to be one every back. year. They, like, always, there used to be the big show turning on SmackDown. There used to be Kurt Angle turning on Raw. There's always one, one year, where the guy's pissed off. is like, I don't want to be on the team. I'm just going to screw everybody over. So, <laughs> And it fit to be Kevin Owens this time. Um, yeah, especially with the storyline they had going. Yeah. Highlight of the match for me was Austin Theory, though. This kid put on a, a great amount of, of ability. You know, he's not just some young kid who came in. He actually has a lot of, you know, um, years behind him already in the ring. Yeah, he uh, he did, he stood in there with, you know, great talent and did and did his thing and showed why he why he is a WWE superstar. Exactly. You know, former world champions, uh, Baron Corbin, who's, you know, still a top name. You know what I mean? He, this kid went all out with them. Uh, Seth Rollins, again, is Seth Rollins. You, you can't you, – guys like Finn Balor and Seth Rollins don't need to prove themselves, but they still do on a nightly basis. I'll tell you, I liked Corbin for a while up until right. after that feud with Roman. After that feud with Roman, I just kind of, like, mm-hmm. lost all interest in him. I agree. I agree. And this new – I'm rich. I'm. Are you got rich the way he got rich? He, he became the king of the ring, and he got money from that. Lost the king of the ring. Okay, he's down on his luck. I like that a little bit. It reminded me of DDP and WCW when Kimberly took all his money because she won the lottery and not him. Okay, great. Right. Strikes it rich in Vegas, and now he's a comedy relief with Madcap Moss or whatever the hell the guy's name is, and like, he, like he what is this? He looks like a knockoff. Johnny Depp from Fear and Love in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's just bad. Like uh, you didn't have a better character for this guy. But, no, and 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 the uh, what's his name, Mad Cat Moss. Him, they have such corny humor. It it's yeah, not even yeah, it's, it's not even remotely funny to me. They're, it's dad jokes, but even his dads don't get them. It's like, what is this? Wait, no, who? Yeah. What? Right. You know, like that might have been dads from maybe the 50s, 60s jokes. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like, the one thing I didn't like about this. <laughs> the one thing I didn't like about this match, Bobby Lashley getting counted out made no sense. I wanted him to be the powerhouse that pretty much destroyed Team SmackDown. And then they just had him get counted out. Like, what? He was your world heavyweight yeah. champion for 300 days, you know? And, and you expect him to come in there and dominate. Like, you mm-hmm. you don't want to see him, you don't want to see him, you know, be taken out. Like, if, if if he's taken out, 
have somebody double team him to get the advantage on him. To, right. You know, right. Or is he pin or something? Not a count. Right. Out. Don't do this cheap shit. And and in, in that sense, that that is a f you to the fans. Right. Because it's like exactly okay. We understand they're fans, but we're gonna we're gonna do it cheap like this and not it, to me it does the the fans that paid to see that and was there with their ass in that seat that was that was disrespectful to them I agree I agree about uh, Seth Rollins is the sole survivor uh and uh continued to his push on raw on the raw roster um he has a, obviously a world title shot coming up against Big E soon or a, a a guaranteed title shot. They haven't said when they're giving it to him yet. Um, I mean, this was an okay match, though. I'd give it a solid B, you know, B B minus because it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Like right, I'm, I'm gonna put it in the middle of the board on the Bs. Like yeah. like not a plus, not a minus. It's a, it's eighty five. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. You can't blame the guys involved, but it was the booking of the actual match. That hurt, right. you know. So, uh, then we go to RK Bro versus the Usos. Now, I'm not a huge Randy Orton fan. You know that. Right. You know that. But, for some reason lately, he's been getting on my good side because he's being a little more comedic with Riddle. Right. And, and <laughs> I don't know if you saw... Uh... <laughs> Raw where he where Matt Riddle dressed up as Randy Orton. Yep. yep. When and, Orton handed him back the mustache, it was like <laughs> I was like, okay, he's going along with it. Good. Let's let's see where this goes. You know? Right. And, and then when he hit that RKO, it was like perfect. It was like Yeah, he nailed the perfect. And, and even, even Randy was impressed with it. He was like, Holy right. shit, he just did my move right. as good as I did. Right. So and they worked well as a tag team here against an experienced tag team like the Usos. Um, it was a good back and forth match, but the Usos held on to the advantage longer than they 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 you know than, than RK Bro did because well we've got the experience. We're twin brothers. We're the bloodline. Right. So I expect them to hold that. And I kind of thought the Usos were going to win here, but RK Bro gets the win, and now Raw has won the. The first three matches on the card, and the pre-show was a dis- disqualification. So SmackDown's won nothing so far, <laughs> right? But overall, I have to give this match a A. Both I do teams, too. I do too. Both teams showed tremendous talent, and yes. and showed why why they're in the predicament that they're in and why they're both champions because literally this whole match I was captivated like oh yeah no they they never lost my interest they had me glued to the seat watching you know and the ending was perfect yeah it it was a it it was actually it was one of the most beautiful transitions (laughs) that I've seen I agree. Two in team match. I I agree, and that's the. I will say this: when it comes to the raw, the raw and the SmackDown tag team titles, 
They are very both protected. And whoever the champions are, whether it was AJ and Omos or the Usos or the New Day or whoever, you see them giving good quality matches every time the titles are being defended. So at least in my opinion, it's almost like the WWE has kind of pulled back on the IC and the U.S. titles as secondary titles and made the tag team titles their secondary titles because they're putting together makeshift teams again, too. You know, guys right. who shouldn't be tag teams are just being thrown together, but then it's working out. Ziggler and Rude are a fantastic tag team. RK Bro are growing on people and actually getting to be a good tag team. And I know a lot of people don't like Omos, but AJ Styles and Omos make a pretty damn good tag team. Right. Um, as far as Ziggler and Rude goes, you mentioned before that you don't think they should be called uh, the Dirty Dogs, and neither do right. I. And I'm and I'm going to tell you why I don't think that they should be called the Dirty Dogs. For one, there's an independent wrestler that's been working the Georgia indie scene for 16 plus years that goes by that name. Right. Okay. And matter of fact, he is a talent that's on my roster. So okay. I'm like, I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> But for those of you who do, who do not know, Mark is a promoter in the Georgia area, and uh, he is. Uh, he, I cannot wait to get to Georgia to see one of Mark's shows because I've watched some of the videos he sent me, and his talent is bar none some of the best on the indie scene I've ever seen. So I I was taught by a man that had seventy plus years in the business, and, and I you, we just recently lost him not that long ago. Yeah, and I soaked up as much knowledge from that man as I could. And everything that I do at these shows, I, I do as in, what what? how would he do it? Sometimes right. things don't make sense, but there's a time and a place for it to not make sense. Right, exactly, exactly. For instance, Mark would not show up to a show with a gold egg. And, no. and, <laughs> and have it go missing 20 minutes later. Right. You know? uh, <laughs> by the way, that was the entire uh, backstage storyline going on at Survivor Series. Vince McMahon showed up with an egg that was given to him by The Rock that was really Cleopatra's egg. Because, you know, the United States is famous about giving out artifacts to Hollywood stars who then give them to their former bosses. Uh, that's usually how that happens um and uh, he brought it to the pay-per-view and mark like i said he pulled up in the limo and there was this cavalcade of wrestlers that i kind of looked at like four or five and went wait you're still on the roster even you're actually still after everybody that's been fired you're still there i I thought you were future (laughs) endeavors yeah and he gets out of the car and everybody starts cheering for him and i'm like what are they cheering for the fact that he hasn't fired them yet (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, thanks for not firing us, Vince. We love you. <laughs> he might wake up with dementia tomorrow and forget he runs a wrestling company. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the storyline. Then the the egg goes missing after he shows it to like twenty people, bragging that The Rock gave it to him. Um, which made no, we didn't get like remember old Survivor Series where we'd get the old four man five man interview where you know, tonight, brother. The Hulkamaniacs are going to say their prayers and eat their vitamins, and you know what I mean. And then you, hey, Daddy, we're going to go funky like a monkey tonight with the Team Dream Team. 
No, we got none of that because Vince McMahon right. had an egg, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and this wasn't the gobbledygooker coming out of this egg. This wasn't no. the Undertaker possibly being a new debut for a wrestler. No, this was an egg. <laughs> an egg. An egg. But I, I will give it to him on this, on this note about the whole thing. <laughs> they played it up. They played that part up to make it seem like Roman had something to do with it because the egg mysteriously goes missing after he shows it to Roman and they right. have that conversation about, you know, the rock and all that. All night long, I was convinced either Brock Lesnar was going to come out or that the rock would be there because it was the 25 years of the rock's debut. In the and same they plugged arena. it a hundred times. Right. We saw old video. We saw him debuting. We saw him in, when he was Rocky Maivia. We saw him as The Rock. We saw him as in Hollywood. It's like, okay, he's going to come out tonight. And I, a few people I talked to, even you, you know, a couple people I talked to were like, he's going to come out tonight and he's going to challenge Roman for WrestleMania. And I'm like, I don't even need that to happen. He could just come out. You know right. what I mean? Let him come out, do his shtick, have him. <laughs> yeah, let them have the big pop. Let him say he'll be at SmackDown this this Friday or something, and go from there. You right. know, but whatever case may be, we go to the Raw Women's versus SmackDown Women's Tag Team match, and again, this was a decent Survivor Series elimination match, but it felt like it was missing something. You know, it just yeah, it didn't it have valid. that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you you felt what I was feeling. Uh, I mean, Liv Morgan looked great, but I made it too quickly, considering they're pushing her right now. You know what I mean? Um, as Zelina Vega and Carmella again looked great, they're both getting pushed, and then oh wait, they're not in the match anymore. And at first, one second, second, I went, where did they go? And then they showed the replay of them both being eliminated. And I'm like, okay, so Team Raw has two people left on it. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know? And what, but like to me, after watching that match, it was like, I get it. Bianca Belair is a top tier athlete. Don't get me wrong. I am not discounting her whatsoever. Right. But to have the odds stacked against you, that. That big four on right. one, and you come back. Right, it's, they it's never kinda Brock like... Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, The Undertaker have never come back from a four to one deficit in a Survivor Series, but Bianca Belair right. did. Right, and to me, it's kind of like, oh well, Becky squashed you. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Becky come out squashed right. you. So we'll give you this. Right, exactly, exactly. You you lost in 28 seconds at Survivor Series, but we're going to let you come back beating four former women's world champions. <laughs> because all four of those women have held a title somewhere in right. the company. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like we're going to let you beat all four of them. But Shasha's first going to get counted out because we have to do some, you know, oh, the, fa- the team wasn't getting along. Okay. Fine, but then she came back, and then on top of that, the last person she beat 
with Shotzi Blackheart, who they've been pushing as a powerhouse for the last three weeks and giving Charlotte Flair a great title match. So you killed the entire roster on both sides. You know, And it's almost like, where do you go now? Right. Well, here's, here's what I said to you on Sunday night when we watched it. Her next feud is with Dewdrop. Bianca <laughs> Belair is now going on to feud with Dewdrop. So you gave her this monstrous push to fight with the comedy routine who decided she wanted to become a heel all of a sudden. Do you remember when Bianca was feuding with Bailey? Yes. And they did they did the little athletic challenge or whatever. Yes. And, yes. And Bianca put put oh, oh, oh who was it? The referee or somebody yeah. on her shoulders and ran around the ring. I want to see her ass do that with Dewdrop. Oh, I guarantee you she probably will. Multiple times. Well and and every time they do it, she does it. Remember when every time John Cena would get the big show up on his shoulders for an attitude adjustment? <laughs> He's never been lifted up. And I'm going, Hogan, Nash, Sting, Goldberg. I even think Flair might have slammed him at one point in WCW. But we're supposed to believe John Cena's the first one doing it. And they're going to – Dewdrop has never been slammed. And then I'm going to have to go back and watch old UK matches and see who slammed Dewdrop in the UK. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Right, it's going to be like so, that Andre like, Mystique for the females. Yeah, I mean, look, again, I'm not discounting Bianca Belair. Phenomenal talent. Was a great women's champion. I actually hated when they did what they did to her by letting Becky just come in and squash her, her squash. in 28 seconds. Yeah. That could have been a 10-minute match that Becky won underhandedly or something to get, and got the same effect. It didn't have to I be mean, 28 seconds. They were heel-turning her anyways. Right. Right. So, so let her win underhandedly. Right. You know, you did the same thing to Kofi when he had to lose the belt to gold to Brock Lesnar. 43 seconds in, he was done. It's like, why are we doing this to our champions who did so great? Right. You know, again, Bobby Lashley got counted out on, at Survivor Series. So we're just diminishing their title reigns for no reason. But okay, fine. Again, not talking bad about Bianca Belair. I think she's fantastic. But if you're going to push her because she's getting a title match next or changing brands and you want her to be the next big thing at SmackDown now or something, great. But her next push is against Dewdrop. It's not <laughs> Alexa Bliss. It's not Nikki Cross. It's not Rhea, Rhea Ripley. It's Dewdrop. And it's, I'm not, again, I'm not diminishing Dewdrop. Piper Niven was a great wrestler in the UK, but she's a comedy relief act right now. They could have called her Gumdrop or something. <laughs> Why didn't she drop the name after after uh, Eva Marie left? It's it's like we build her up over here. <laughs> we build her up over here, but when she comes over here, she's gonna be the laughing stock, right? And, and we're gonna make her pretty much, you know, Eva Marie's Otis, right? And, right. and, and, and then we're gonna get rid of Eva Marie. But right. but but now we still have you and we're gonna let you continue to be a comedy act. Mm-hmm. But people That's... don't know like anybody who's followed UK, they don't know her as a comedy act. 
they then they're probably pretty pissed off at what they're seeing out of she was a she was a certified killer in the uk right this woman literally was beating up the men and the women on that those companies it wasn't just oh i I only fight women no she was lifting lifting 300 pound men and slamming them right Like, like how do you do this to her you know Right, like like modern day version Nicole Bass or China. Mm-hmm. Right. So you took her from being a chi- the new the next China, which she could have been. Right. To being uh, like you said, the female Otis. So what are we gonna do with her next after this? Make her real serious and mean like Otis is. Right. I mean, you know, but what's but she still got what's the name to join, join forces with Becky and be her her bodyguard. Right. Right. I, I mean, and you might be right. That, we might see that in a couple of weeks. I mean, that would be honestly something better than what the hell they're doing now. Right. So, but whatever the case may be, Bianca Belair gets the sole survivor. Again, and that's something I didn't like, too. Both matches have a sole survivor. You don't do that. You're supposed to, you know. <clears throat> I remember back in the, again, I sound like an old man, but I guess I am. I've been watching wrestling for 30 years. <laughs> I think it was the 90, 91 Survivor Series. They did the for the first time. Anybody who survived from their team got to go on to the main match, and it was like who like the heels from one team fighting the the faces from another. And Hogan and Warrior were the sole survivors from their team, and so was Tito Santana. But the heels had like nine members on their team. <laughs> you know, three guys survived from one match, four guys survived from another, two survived. But the, the mystique behind it was, okay, at the end of the day, Hogan, Tito, and Warrior stood tall in the ring to win the whole match. They didn't make Tito Santana job out and lose. He still ended out, you know, you don't need to have a sole survivor every year. You're supposed to change it up. Right. So... Or as or as Jesse Ventura, Ventura would have called him, the flying burrito. Flying burrito. <laughs> Chico Santana. Man, I think Bobby Heenan and T and, and Jesse Ventura could not have been commentators this day and age. No. No. <laughs> they would have been they would have been the Dom Don Imus of, yep. of twenty minutes into the show. 20 minutes into the show, the screen would have went black. We would have came back from a commercial and Vince Man would have been standing on screen. My apologies for the words from Mr. Uh, Jesse Ventura. He has been let go by the WWE. We wish him well <laughs> on his future endeavors. And they would have went on the show. <laughs> so, go to our main event. And to me, this is the match that had the most build besides Charlotte and 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 Becky, Biggie and Roman. These three, these two men have been battling since Biggie won the title. My thing about this match, the physicality of it, was a plus. Right, the physicality of it was a plus. The ending was weaker. Then a hundred pound teenage boy trying to bench press four hundred pounds. Right, I agree. I agree. I mean, there were so many different ways we could have ended that match, but we ended it on a simple spear. 
Yeah, after, you know, after a short chop block to the knee. Right. Right. And then a spear and boom, it's over. How many big endings did Big E hit? Three, I think. I believe three. Right. And Roman hit three spears before then. So what was different about that one? You know? Right. Like like you could have had him you could have had him do something different. try to guillotine him. You've already let him guillotine everybody else and damn win. Right. And he did do it, but Biggie powered out of it. Okay, that's fine. But there were so many other things. He could have hit a rock bottom. It's the 25th anniversary of The Rock. Give the middle finger to The Rock and hit a rock bottom in the middle of the ring. You know what right. I mean? Or a people's elbow. Do something to get a story out there. But it was a standard match. Like you said, the physicality was fantastic, but it was a standard match at the end of the day that had a standard ending. I give, I give the the finish a F. The finish is definitely a F. Oh, yeah. But the physicality was an A+. Plus. I agree. I agree. Roman seems to be bringing out the best in people, and I don't mean that as a knock to Big E because Big E's been having great matches by himself as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. But those two together were bringing out the absolute best in each other, so that's great. That's what you want out of a, your two main world heavyweight champions. But, you know, you, you ended on that spear. Okay, that's fine. But then you just end the pay-per-view after that. He gets his belt. He walks to the back. I was fully expecting that when he hit halfway up the rampway, we were going to hear, if you smell or the Brock Lesnar theme and then have one of the, you know, at least if it would have been Brock, Brock would have came out there and beat the crap out of him. Yeah, but I mean, too, I understand why they didn't do that because the whole Brock coming back already on on him one time at a pay-per-view. I mean, it would seem yeah, too but, repetitive. But, like, have him come out the crowd or something, jump his ass from right. behind. Like, right. anything. Anything more instead of just leaving everybody. Right. It's basically, Roman hits the spear. Boom. PM. One, two, three. He already starts walking to the back. Boom. Cut. I mean, it's like, come right. on. Right. And then we got to wait SmackDown yeah. to see what's going to happen next. It's like, okay, but what's next? Like, because I he has no other challenger after that. But I understand know. cliffhangers and and leaving people wanting more. But but there, what the was the cliffhanger? Right. Like <laughs> it Mark, didn't make Biggie has Biggie has Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins to deal with on Raw. So now he's been beaten down by Roman Reigns. So he goes back to deal with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins having a guaranteed shot at the title whenever he feels like it. Roman Reigns went back to SmackDown, and the Battle Royal ended with Sami Zayn winning the the Battle Royal. I don't mean this is a knock to Sami Zayn, but I don't believe Sami Zayn could even hurt Roman Reigns in the ring. Right, like everybody else that he's been up against. You're telling me only only way that that shit would make sense in the realm of things is if, say, Brock comes out, whoops Roman's ass, and then, um, then puts Zane over. And then, you know, Zane's, yeah, I done it, I done it. And then, boom, Brock, Brock, uh, Brock gets his ass. Right, right, exactly. 
Exactly. But it's probably going to lead to, during that match, Brock comes out, Roman leaves the ring and gets counted out, so Zayn wins by count out. Right. And then Brock Lesnar destroys Zayn, and Roman gets away. And now we're left wondering, well, is Brock going to get the next title shot? What's going on here? And all you did and, was make Sami Zayn a martyr. Yeah, and and Sami Zayn comes back and whines, says it's a conspiracy theory and all that right. shit. Right. I mean, like, they're still going with that. Like, when, when Vince McMahon told him, when Vince McMahon told him to shut up last week on Monday Night Raw, when he started bitching at Vince McMahon, he went, shut up! Nobody likes a tattletale. I looked and I went, okay, can we get this going every week? Can somebody come to the ring like an authority figure and tell him to shut up every week? Right. You know? <laughs> that, that would have comedic value almost like an R2 right. segment. Right. You know. <laughs> to me, though, Survivor Series seemed like a throwaway pay-per-view. Um, nothing really big happened, and it was booked as a one-sided pay-per-view again. Raw won everything but the main event. Which I understand. Roman is the head of the table, and that's how they book him. He had to go over, and yeah. I, I I get it. But Biggie is the world heavyweight champion, which is a title that has a lineage going back all the way to the beginning, and has the WCW lineage linked into it too, because those belts were unified. Right. Roman is the universal title, a made-up title that Vince Man had to make. Because we need a secondary champion. Right. So they either need to switch belts or something. You, you know what I mean? You're, you're putting over your belt, you know, over your other belt, which that's the main belt in your company. It's your big gold belt. It's your main championship. But again, I get it. But why didn't we go into the main event tied at three to three and have Roman Reigns win and SmackDown wins? Or, you know what I mean? Or something. So everybody on Raw is great except for your world heavyweight champion. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I get I get where you're coming from. That that shit definitely doesn't make sense. It's like, but but in the realm of things, everybody always calls SmackDown the A show. Right, but then you just killed everybody on that roster, right? Except for but, Roman Reigns. But you know, what I'm remember? saying. Maybe Do they're you remember gearing a couple up. years ago at uh, when Survivor Series Raw lost Survivor Series, and then Seth Rollins came out and bitched at the entire roster, and that's how he became the Messiah. Right. Where was Roman Reigns to do that on SmackDown then? You know what I mean, and and get him over more as a heel with the entire roster. You know, well, he don't give a shit as long as they acknowledge him. <laughs> right, right. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> um, I, but what I was I was getting at is maybe because they say you know SmackDown's the A show, the A show, the A show. Maybe they're trying to gear up to make Raw more of how it was in the nineties and shit. Whenever, but when SmackDown and all that first came out, when Raw was the flagship, and that would be great. And I I understand that Raw is Vince's baby; it's his number one show. In his heart, he's always going to put Raw ahead. But then give me a better damn show for three hours than if you're going to do that. Make your right. following night show. Make me glued to my seat the way I was for the RK Bro match for the entire show of Raw. Make right. me want to hear what's going to happen with Biggie. Let Biggie come out so beat up from his match with Roman. 
that I go, okay, well, they killed each other. It's understandable. But he had a match afterwards. He fought Austin Theory. Right. And Austin Theory gave him a great, uh, great freaking match. Yeah. Yeah. Austin Theory is. I wouldn't call him green because obviously he's not green. He's had enough. No. You know, he, he's he's had enough training and enough matches to not be uh, Barry Horowitz. Right. But, exactly. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Barry. Barry, you're always going to be my favorite jobber. But, <laughs> <laughs> but. For my question about the whole thing with Austin Theory is why him? Mm-hmm. There's um, been no apparently very high on him. Vince I, is I, very I, high, and I understand that. But build build it up in a storyline that makes freaking sense instead of a damn egg. Vince McMahon, if you somehow this gets back to you, what in the hell are you thinking? All right. Now, <laughs> let's look at things from old dementia-minded Vince's way. <laughs> or an egg helped the Undertaker get over at the Survivor Series he debuted on. We're going to use an egg to get Austin Theories over. And the people are like, but wait, Vince, people thought he was going to hatch out of the egg. Nobody could hatch out of that small little gold egg you've got. Ah, it's still an egg. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They're not going to know the difference. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's like, to, I, I just want to know, like, why why egg again, for one, right. and for two, it, I, I will say this, at least it wasn't a damn grapefruit. True. True. <laughs> At least nobody had to kiss his ass. <laughs> that, really yeah. Which I'm pretty sure uh, Theory would have took a selfie with it. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, if you had to grade Survivor Series, what would you grade the entire show? And why? I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this. i give it a B-. minus. And the reason why it's it's even that is because to me the best the, there was three good matches. All right, and not to discount the women, but to me the third third best match was Becky and Charlotte. Okay. The second was Ian Roman, except for the ending. Because right. the physical contest, and to me, the best match out the whole card was the Usos and RK Bro, okay. and that's what brought it up to a B caliber for me. Right, all right, and I understand what you're saying. For me, on the flip side of things, I have to give this show a D, and some would consider that still passing. Is not enough to didn't flunk. <laughs> um, the Raw, uh, the two uh, Survivor Series matches were lackluster. They didn't really. There wasn't anything there. There was a yeah, lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of fruit bared. You know, right? 
Um, past matches and when it comes to Survivor Series, always have at least one of the Survivor Series matches end up with a place in my heart, no matter what it was. You know, going back to 90, the Undertaker's debut match. Uh, 92, like I said, when Tito and Hogan and Warrior teamed up at the end of the show. You know what I mean? There was nothing to those matches that I felt was great. The RK Bro with the Usos was a good match, but there wasn't enough build around it. It was more build for Randy not wanting Riddle to be involved to possibly have them lose. So it, there should have been more build around the two teams rather than it just being our Gabriel. Uh, but the match itself was great. Main event was definitely lacking as far as the ending goes. But, yes, good physical match. Um, and for me, Charlotte and Becky stole the show. It, the, the wrestling, the storytelling, everything around it was great. The entire highlight of the show for me, I said this to you when we talked after the pay-per-view. Becky Lynch's outfit. <laughs> that woman, the moon was out during Survivor Series the whole night. <laughs> I don't know what they, why they thought. Yeah, I know, I know Seth was probably backstage doing that. I don't know what convinced them to think that she should have wore that outfit, but I'm happy they did. She looked fantastic. Um, but that was the highlight for me and a, quite a few other people online talking about it the next day. Uh, the egg was total and utter stupidity. It didn't need to happen. Vince didn't need to be there at the show. I would have rather Brock, The Rock, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Didn't need to be Vince McMahon. Or, or the egg mysteriously appears and there's a mystique about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, how, Where did how this come from? Right. That right. would have that would have been even better. Maybe the egg makes makes it started to make crazy things happen on both shows too. It's almost putting like a hex on people, something. Which yeah. I know that's cartoony and stupid, but it would have made more sense. <laughs> <laughs> um when did you see whenever McMahon was like, Whoever brings me that egg or or gives yep. me information? Uh, it, it was almost like what they do with the twenty four seven title every week. Yeah, they were breaking the whole uh, whole arena apart. <laughs> Everybody's what like, I didn't get Wah. was <laughs> what what I didn't get was why was Rhea Ripley and Carmella ripping things apart? It was a shot at the world title, not the women's title. <laughs> so what were they thinking? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like they they had to realize when they saw, when they when they looked back at it before they you know while they were watching the show somebody must have went why were the women involved yeah you know I mean? it's not the twenty four seven title you know what what, but, what would be real like real funny though like one of them be the ones and then like right this this is the headline Rhea Ripley new world champion. It's the rip pad on Biggie. (laughs) Wins in 38 seconds. Crowd outraged. So, but it was, like I said, it was lacking something for me. It just wasn't a Survivor Series like it should have been. Right. Um, Like you said, every Survivor Series has a memorable moment. And, right. And and to me, none of those moments that were somewhat even noteworthy were in either of the Survivor Series matches. You know what I would have rather happened? What's that? Main event ending. Roman hits a spear. 
Miggy kicks out at two. Roman stands up, looks at the camera with that shitty grin that he has, locks on a sharpshooter. Vince McMahon comes running down to the ring, calls for the bell, and Vince McMahon screws jobs Big E. At least that would have made something. Oh, at least, you know, big, and then he could have went Big E, screw Big E, something, because we got a standard ending to any pay-per-view. Now, this wasn't in your house, Revenge of Taker, or, you know, it was the Survivor Series. You know, there should have been something okay. to it that made me go, oh, shit, I got to watch Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. And it wasn't a damn egg. That egg was not <laughs> making me watch Monday Night Raw. I did not watch Monday Night Raw till Thursday night of, of last week. <laughs> you know, I waited till after Thanksgiving was over, and then I put on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Which, I mean, the the follow-up Raw wasn't bad. It, it, it wasn't bad, a- no. It wasn't it, bad. They had a few good matches, some good storylines going on there. And it looks like they're trying to start digging out of that 1.7 million rating that they're getting, you know, the 1.7 million fans watching. So hopefully it's helping. But, I mean, I don't know. They, they got to do something. And I got to be honest with you. Here's what grinds my gears. We're going to segue into this. <laughs> The Adam Pierce, Sonia Deville as a authority figures is not working for me. No. And it's not Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville is acting her ass off and actually acting as a good female authority figure. Her interaction with, with Naomi on SmackDown has been fantastic. And she has a look about her, which I'm perfectly fine with as being an authority figure. Right. Adam Pierce is not believable, though. He literally tried to tell Brock Lesnar, you're suspended, got F5'd, and then we didn't see him for two weeks. And you know what? I was like, okay. You know what I mean? It was like, no big deal. Yeah, and, and I get where you're coming from. And with Sonya doing the whole heel general manager type thing, authority figure, right. whatever you want to call it, you need – Something that's completely opposite of that. Hell, bring back Teddy Long. (laughs) There needs to be either a funny and and comedic nice guy and then the badass, whether it's her or whoever. This way, when they try to make matches together, shit goes wrong. You know? Right. Like he could be telling her, I want to see Big E and I want to see Xavier Woods take on Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. Uh, and Jimmy Uso, and she books it as a three-on-two handicap match. And now he comes back there. Hey, I didn't say that. I said I wanted to be one of the Usos. And then her with her evil grin could be like, well, I booked it my way. You want that right. play, that character play. What, that you shit know? was weak sauce. <laughs> you know, but it's just, if you're going to have an authority figure in wrestling, Paul Heyman, Stephen Mann, Dirk Bischoff, I want to believe that they're an actual authority figure. The thing that threw me off and what pissed me off during Survivor Series was when both he and Sonya Deville came out and told wrestlers who were booked for Survivor Series, I just got the call and they don't want you in the match. Who are they? Right. You know what I mean? You're they. You're the powers that be. You are the authority figure. 
Therefore, you booked the match. They could have said Vince doesn't want you in the match, but they didn't. They just went today. The last time we heard a storyline like this was in WCW when Vince Russo had his back to the camera and was being the authority, the, the powers that be. And people go, they don't want Lex Luger in the match tonight. Well, who are they? <laughs> and then it became the powers that be, and it was Vince Russo's voice. And, like, I can't, if you're an authority figure, you're the you're the end-all, be-all, unless this man shows up with an egg and makes matches. <laughs> you know, I expect him to have that damn egg every time he shows up. Yeah, it's, they, they you're right, they need to do something different. And as far as Sonya goes, you're right. She she is. She's acting her ass off. And but what really grinds my gears is for me. Put the right people over. Right. Like you got you got this guy and this ain't speaking about anybody in particular. It's just you you can have this person and the fans want to see them win. That's what's gonna keep your fans coming back if you give them that feel good moment. Right. Right. Or or build towards that feel good moment. Have right. them get kicked down, have them get kicked down, and then boom, he kicks back. You know what right. I'm saying? Give give the fans a feel good moment to keep them invested in your product. Right. People were talking about boycotting WWE and shit because of the stupidity. Yeah, who cares? It's drawing me money. <laughs> right, but it's not, though. See here. Right. Okay, yes, they may be more profitable than they have been in years. And that's fine. But there was but also a pandemic. They sold, and, they're know, selling content. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. If, but that's because the shit that they sold was old quality content. Right. Okay. Right. The the shit that you're coming up with now is new shit content. Right. So give the give the people good quality content and down the road if you're going to continue selling your content, well you got something good to sell them. They're not going right. to buy you're not going to Talk somebody into buying a bag of dog poop. I'm sorry, you're, it's just no, not gonna happen. No, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, when the WWE went PG because Linda McMahon was running for you know political office and everything, I thought that was at at, at the point one of the worst times there of wrestling because yep. everything had to be so toned down and and you know innuendos that weren't really there were there because well. We need to make DX, but we can't make them too edgy. So we're just going to have Triple H barbecue a hot dog and hold it up on a stick. And that's supposed to be funny. You know what I mean? And it was, right. it was boring. But like you said, there were still feel good moments. There were still times when we believed and we got and we enjoyed it and we wanted to watch. Right. When wrestling becomes a chore and it's like we're doing it because... Well, I have to watch because I'm I'm doing a podcast, or I gotta watch because I'm gonna talk to my friends later, and they're gonna ask me what I thought, or you know what I mean? 
It's well, okay to have a bad episode every now and then. Like you, you know? mentioned earlier, you've watched for so long. From right. the time I, the time I was four years old, I will be thirty two in February. But from the time I was four years old, my fondest memories are sitting in front of that television watching wrestling. Right, glued to your seat because you knew the next day at school or when your friends came over or maybe an uncle who watched along with you, you were going to want to talk about it with them. Right. And you were giddy. You were giddy to talk about it. It was like, did you see what happened? Uh, I remember you know? when Shawn Michaels come off the top of the ladder on the razor. I mean, just right. shit like that. Like, right. young, right. impressionable minds. Do you? All right. All right. Shawn Michaels, look, I know we'll never see this again. But Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. Right. Shawn coming off the ladder on Razor. Shawn gliding down to the ring at WrestleMania 12 on the zip line. Those are just Shawn Michaels moments. What about Bret Hart? The, 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 the betrayal when he beat the crap out of Stone Cold Steve Austin and left him as a bloody mess at Survivor Series. Or yeah, and, when he brought he the, the, the Hart out. Foundation back together. Yeah, and then Austin passed out. And then he didn't just bring the Hard Foundation back together with just Owen and Bulldog. He brought Jim Neidhart back and added Brian Pillman. So now there was a new era to it. Right. You know? Uh, Diesel winning the title from Backlund in Madison Square Garden on a non-televised show. You understand? They have to explain to you that in eight seconds, Diesel beat Bob Backlund at Madison Square Garden the day before. You know what I right. mean? Razor Ramon and Diesel leaving to WCW. You know what yep. I mean? Now, I know I'm talking about Attitude Era and 94, 95, 96. But things but like those this are also things, happened. Right. Those are the things that hooked us as fans. But he, here's one better, though. In the 2000s, those things were still happening. Right. John Cena whether he was being booed or not, was becoming the biggest star for that decade, that time period. Randy Orton building himself up as the legend killer and punting Mick Foley down a set of stairs. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I will never forget John Cena's rap about Stephanie McMahon and her breath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, Triple H coming back at Madison Square Garden before the Royal Rumble. And then going on to win it after he blew his quad in a match. Austin taking his ball and going home because he didn't want to put over Brock Lesnar. Lesnar and Goldberg both leaving at the same time at WrestleMania 22. You know, again, big moments that we all still talk about. Why? Because there's no big moments going on right now. Right. And then that's the only things that's worth talking about. It was, was the good shit. Mark, 99% of the shows on We Can't Wrestle and the WrestleNet Radio are nostalgia shows about the older product. Because the newer product isn't worth a damn. Right. I cover the newer product because, well, I'm watching it anyway. I might as well talk about something I'm watching. You know right. I mean? And, and but. Like, since, since I've been, I've watched Raw since I was four years old. When SmackDown right. first came on, I watched the first episode and so on. It's like we've invested this much time of our life right. into your product, right. 
Give us something worth a damn. Let us let us know you still. This is going to sound so stupid. Let us know you still care about us being fans. Right. You know what I mean? That you're not totally hard up and you just want the money and you feel we're going to watch anyway. Because I got news for you. And I've said this, we've both said this many times. There are other wrestling companies out there. Oh, yeah. That we can be watching. Okay. The NWA's got a killer storyline going right now with Nick Aldis and and, uh, Tom... uh, the, the guy that was in Strictly Business with him that used to be in WWE. Uh, uh, Trevor Murdoch is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and about to defend it against uh, uh, the guy that used to be uh, Mike Knox. You know but what I mean? look, but look at that. Even, even look at that, okay? Stars that they just used as second rate and, sh- and shit, you know what I'm saying? Are getting world title shots. Right, are being put over in other companies where people actually realize the potential in them. Right. Right. It, it at some point it doesn't necessarily have to all be about money. It it has to be about <coughs> giving the fans those feel good moments so you can sell out arenas and and you can put continue to put asses right. in seats and viewers behind that TV. Impact wrestling knew they were failing and knew that they weren't getting that great of a buy rate anymore. What did they do? They knocked on AEW's door and said, hey, you want to come do some cross-promotional? We'll give you the Good Brothers. You give us Kenny Omega. We'll give you so-and-so. You give us Christian Cage. Guess what? It helped both companies. Because yep. the Good Brothers were defending the, the Impact Tag titles on the AEW, and Christian won the a- the Impact title and was their champion for three months and actually put the title to good use that they got to put over a young kid like Josh Alexander, who's been in the business 20 years. And then Moose right. got the title finally, too. So it helped the rest of their storylines. You look at AEW. My wife asked me recently, my wife Sarah, why did CM Punk go to AEW and not back to the WWE? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, one was money. She said, well, how, how could he get more from AEW when they're brand new? I said, because they're owned by billionaires. The cons own pretty much everything in Florida. You know, they own the Jaguars. They own other companies. They own, you know, businesses. But it wasn't just the money. He knows Vince McMahon wasn't going to put him over if he went back. Right. He would have let him come back, get the pop that he was going to get. And then after a couple months, he would have been jobbing out to somebody like, I don't know, probably Roman Reigns. Or Austin Theory. Or Austin Theory, right. There would have been something, you know. They might have, would have had him be, get beat up by Jeff Hardy, you know what I mean, and renewed that feud. Or Edge would have came in and, and they would have feuded, whatever the case may be. But he knew he wasn't going to get put over. Now, Punk isn't really necessarily being put over majorly in AEW because he's not a champion. But he's having great matches with great young superstars he never wrestled before. The match with Eddie Kingston was fantastic. His match for Dan Darby Allen was incredible. His matchup on... On on uh, rampage with Danny Danny Alex uh, Garcia was unbelievable, you know. Then you look at a Daniel Bryan or a Christian Cage. I said it to you recently. Christian Cage right now is giving the middle finger to Vince McMahon because you told me to go home and sit. You didn't want me to wrestle for you, but I'm still putting on great matches with Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, Jurassic Express. 
<laughs> Vincent Mendes fired 20 other people in the last two weeks. John Morrison, who left Impact after being their World Heavyweight Champion, got fired, and his wife. Yep. It's like, why did you bring these people back then? I have a question. Uh, what do you think about Dana Brooke <laughs> winning the 24 7 title? <laughs> I actually think that it's funny and it's good for her because they weren't going to let her win a women's title anytime soon. No. Uh, the wife started laughing when she saw it. She's like, well, how, what do they do now that a woman has it? I said, that's the funny part of it. None of these guys are going to touch her because she's right. a woman. So she'll run from them, whatever. Another woman will probably beat her for it. And then one of them, that, that woman will trip over somebody. And one of the guys will like just one, two, three and run away with the belt. Right. You know, it, 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 I think it's good for her to have the belt for a week or two. Cause I'll be honest, Reginald is their champion is too one dimensional. The dude <laughs> flip flops and flies and it's like, okay, we couldn't catch him again this week. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm okay with her being the 21st ever champion for now. I'm hoping like she trips over Hornswoggle and he wins, and you know he makes a oh, surprise comeback, and, and Hornswoggle's your twenty four seven champion. That would just give it the whole comedic value that it needs. Oh, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'll be honest. There are a lot of people who don't like the twenty four seven title because there's too much comedy. But those are the same people who every day go bring back the Attitude Era. Well, that was the Attitude Era. The the, the Hardcore title wasn't a 24-7 right. title. Just because the they're not hitting each other with a trash can doesn't mean it's not the same thing. I mean, come on, Crash Holly and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you know. Their runs with the hardcore title and just the straight it was it was all ludicrous. It it was it was great. Pat Patterson was the damn hard, hardcore champion for like <laughs> I think a week. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then he flew to Gerald Briscoe into WrestleMania with him. You know what I mean? So, it, 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 if if you're calling for a redo of the Attitude Era, that's one of the number one things that was part of the Attitude Era was the hardcore title. But the thing is, is the, you know they're they're going with that PG content. Those risque things were entertaining. But they can't have them though. See, for every person, I'll do yeah, one better. For every ten people that say bring back the attitude error, there's one person sitting there going, "Yeah, go ahead, bring it back and watch what happens." Right. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, May Young having Mark Henry's hand baby ain't gonna and, get over right. now. <laughs> right. Right. You know they they can't show. Like, remember Dean Dean Malenko getting into bed with Lita, and then the lights went out, and there was Matt Hardy, and uh-huh. they beat the crap out of him. Uh, uh, you know, um, the Val Venus and Kai and Ty thing, but they can't right. do that now. But, but the, like, those things were relatable because it's something that you could you could envision. Okay, that would actually that could actually happen in real life, right? Right. So when you blur that line of real and what's a work, that is when you're really getting into wrestling. True. True. But there would be somebody complaining and that one person complaining. You know, back in the day, we had, uh, if you remember, the uh, right to censor was 
Vince McMahon's oh joke at the PTC, the parent teacher, the parents uh, group that were against the WWF. And, and, and that's the right what to censor the modern day people would call Karens. Right, exactly. Because back then, all they were really doing was campaigning and striking against the WWE. So, right. okay, it was 12 people sitting outside of the arena while the show was going on. Now, it wouldn't fly. And I, I, for me and you, we'd be watching going, yes, this is great. Do more of this. But there'd <laughs> right. be somebody behind us going, no. I always think of Helen Lovejoy from The Simpsons. Think of the children. You know <laughs> what I mean? You know, it's just, I don't know. I love wrestling. I still love wrestling. I still, I, I'm still a wrestling fan. But when AEW says something like "we're the number one wrestling promotion in the in the business, we're the number one wrestling promotion in the in the world," they're not lying. WWE sports and entertainment. There is a difference. Yes, but I mean, at the same time, you you got entertainment in your in your name, but. You're not entertaining your fans. You're right. just giving. You're just giving them mediocre, you know, right. mediocre storylines and no right. nothing that they can really sink their teeth into. The way I look at it, at some ways, um, the WWE is like that old college guy who still who who goes back to his old fraternity. And still thinks he's going to be the life of the party. Right. You know, like when I was here, I used to drink a whole case of beer by myself. Woo! And the kids are like, who are you? You know? <laughs> Will Ferrell in the movie Old School. <laughs> exactly. 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 Trying to be cool, but they're also acting like they're out of place. Because right. it's it's like, we're, we're still the WWE. No, you're not. Right, well, and, haven't and been to WWE in a long time. It's not cool to go streaking in the in the quad anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you know, like I said, I don't want naked Midian on my television, but I no, killed to see no, two guys have not. a great match for twenty minutes and actually have a payoff. Right, you know, and like, like you said, push the right wrestler. Like, like days of rivalries. Like, all right, this this is probably one that a lot of people forget about or just don't mention enough. The Rock and Ken Shamrock. Right. That was a great rivalry. Right. And, and you've got a character doing that right now. Damian Priest has got that Ken Shamrock vibe of snapping at any moment. Right. You know, so, you know, that's the whole thing. There's not enough on the lower card for rivalries. It's not a rivalry anymore. It's a two-week program and it's done. And then they move right. on to the next guy. We give we give you know? them two two match series, and then boom, we're pushing them off to the next new guy. Right, you know. But I, you know, and there's some people which I agree with some that say, well, they over push certain matches. Like we've seen too much of this match, too. You know, and I get that. I I understand. For instance, we've seen Brock and Roman Reigns before. It's just one was a face and one was a heel. Now they've switched. Right. Brock isn't any more of a face. He's just getting cheered because Roman Reigns is, you know, being it's, so it's you know, physical. Right. right. So, 
but we've seen it before. So again, it's overbooking the same matches. We've actually seen that match for the last four years going. Right. You know? and, but I'll give Roman a compliment on this. He has Heyman as the mouthpiece, but right. at the same time, he could still cut one hell of a heel promo. Without a doubt. <laughs> His heel run has actually been fantastic, except for this last couple of months because they don't really know what to do with him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would have rather him had some lower-ended feuds with Crown Jewel and Survivor Series. Obviously, he was going to fight Big E and then got the Brock Lesnar feud leading up to the bigger pay-per-views. Right. You know or, I mean? or, or, like, you know... Like keep them with the lower end fuse, just have them keep demolishing everybody, and then you're thinking, right. well, when the hell is he gonna? You know, when's he gonna meet a match? Boom, enter right. Brock. Right. You know, Suplex by having City him do that bitch. at Crown Jewel. Right. What by having them do that at Crown Jewel? How many people really watch Crown Jewel live? I'm gonna air it at one o'clock in the afternoon on the network. You know. What I'll, I mean? I caught bits and pieces of it while I was at work, which is really dangerous right. for me. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> you're driving most of the time. <laughs> you know, and then you watched it in its entirety when you got home. Right. You know, that's the, it's a throwaway one o'clock in the, in the afternoon pay-per-view because you're in Dubai. You know what I mean? And then Saudi Arabia. Which, I mean, if they're not going to do that. Right. Right. But if you're going to do that, well, then hell, go to Japan and do a, man, a, a show like that then. Where you're going to get 100,000 people in the arena. Right. You know? You know, or go to go back to to England and do a, a magic a pay-per-view at Wembley Stadium then. Right. You know? Like we've been wanting. But I don't know. Well, Mark, we've talked about the Survivor Series. We've talked about what grinds our gears. I mentioned Becky Lynch's ass a couple of times. <laughs> it's it's time to put this show to bed but I want to thank you once again for joining me as always it's been Not a pleasure problem, since you've joined on the show I was getting a bit lonely there uh, <laughs> uh, thank you all at home for uh, once again listening in uh, thank you for your support as I said earlier once again hello to Bobby Anders and the entire Anders clan uh, he threatened me he threatened me before we went live that I had to say hi to him a couple times. So oh, I, I was going to ask you how much he sent you on the cash app for that plug. No, no, it was just a threat. <laughs> He's like, if you don't, if you don't say hi to me, I'm going to boycott your show. And I'm like, oh damn. Oh, so, I thought he, I thought he was going to say he was going to stop with the uh, custom motus. That too, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. For me and Mark, we will see you next time. Uh, next week we'll be back to our normal fa- format. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. Uh, so Mark will handle the Raw and SmackDown. I will handle the AEW and NXT. Um, so, Mark, any parting words? Um, let me do it this week. All right. Go right ahead. If you smell what the art is cooking. I like that. We'll see you next time, folks. Thank you.